0: What I want to do today is look at one of the qualities which if you and I possess in our lives, will position us under the increasing favor and blessing of God. It's found in Matthew 6, verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of light. Darkness. The word for good, if, you're, if, you're, if therefore your eye is good, the word is haplos, which means generous. <coughs> Jesus is saying, if your eye is generous, your whole body will be full of light, and Jesus is the light of the world, be full of Jesus, full of the blessing of God. But if your eye is bad, the word by it is poneros, means niggardly, mean, miserly, then Jesus is saying, If your eye is ungenerous, your whole life will be full of darkness. Wow, what a challenge to be a generous person, generous with your time, generous with your talents, generous in serving, generous in loving, generous in praising, generous in giving, generous in every area of life. Because if you can get this revelation of generosity, you're going to position yourself under the blessing of God. Listen to this incredible story. John G. Rockefeller was the first billionaire. Amazing. Every decision and attitude and relationship was tailored towards creating wealth and power. That was his life. But sadly, by the age of 53, his entire body was racked with pain. He could buy anything he wanted, but all he could eat and digest was milk and crackers billion dollars did not help him he couldn't sleep and he wouldn't smile the doctors predicted he'd be dead in a year he's currently age 53 at that stage so by 54 dead nearing death he awakes one morning not a christian i think he remembers this vague dream he had something about he couldn't take his success with him into the next life just god's mercy on him Remembering the dream, he decided to channel his assets to hospitals, research, mission work. He established the John D. Rockefeller Foundation. This new direction led to the discovery of things like penicillin, cures for some forms of malaria, tuberculosis, and diphtheria. Well, watch this. Incredibly, astoundingly, as soon as he decided... To become generous, give a portion of what he had been accumulating, his body's chemistry altered so significantly that he got well. Instead of dying at the predicted 54, he lived to the age of 98. And God's Word was once again proven to be true. If your eye is generous, your whole body, your whole being will be filled with the light of the goodness and the glory of God. Tell the person next to you, be more generous. Recently, there's been a level of generosity coming to this church that we have not ever had before in the 25, six years I've been here. It was December when it first started, and someone put in an offering, one person for $50,000, one person. That made my day happy. I thought, this is cool. February, this, this month, suddenly there's another donation, different person, $20,000. I'm thinking we're on a roll here. <laughs> a few days later, there's another donation, $20,000. Somewhere in between there, there's another donation, $6,000. I don't know who they were, I don't know why they gave it, but I'll say this much, God's doing something in our hearts in the area of generosity, something in this church. And you know, when those amounts of money started coming in, do you know what it did to me? I started to think, gosh, come on, Tark, you can do a bit better. If these people can give this kind of money, come on, what are you going to do? Isn't it interesting that when, you, when others around you start getting generous, you kind of think, well, I'm going to get generous too. It motivates. When you think you're the only one giving anything, you think, oh, well, gosh, if no one else is going to give, why should I? So this kind of stuff, so this has kind of lifted the faith level and the generosity level in our church to another place. So the people who did that, thank you very much. You don't have no idea... Not only are you going to be incredibly blessed, but you're going to release others to give more, and they're going to be incredibly blessed, and your rewards in heaven are just going to be off the planet. God bless you. Give them a hand, church, whoever they are. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done in my heart. Thank you for the stirring that I've got to be more generous. I appreciate that. I I, I want to be stirred to be generous. Do you know why? We all want to be generous, don't we? You want to be, I want to be generous, but it's hard to be generous. You know, and I need to be stirred, I need to be encouraged, I need to be inspired, I thank God for those people. There's no one in this room that doesn't want to be generous. If I said, hey, raise your hand, if you want to be known as the meanest person around, you want to be miserable and miserly, who wants to be that? No one. Because God's put it in our hearts, we want to be so generous. But it's a challenge. So, I'm going to try and help us. Give you four compelling reasons to grow in generosity, increase your generosity. Number one is the Bible teaches generosity. Come to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Are we doing all right? I don't think I've heard an amen yet, but still, I'll wait. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we made known to you the grace, everyone say grace, grace, of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy... And their deep poverty, now these are people in deep poverty, friends, abounded in riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. These are church Christians, they're in poverty. They said, come on, Paul, we plead with you. You've got to let us give. Come on. I know we've got nothing about it. We want to be generous. Please, Paul, let us give. Wow. Out of deep poverty. Then it says in verse 7, But as you abound in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, diligence, your love for us, see that you abound in this grace of giving also. See that you abound. Not just in faith and love and but in the grace of of giving. See, giving is a work of grace in our hearts. It's not a work, a work of demand or law or mati- manipulation or control. None of that works. Grace works. It's a work of grace in our hearts. And God stirs us through his word. There's a beggar who asked this money for some lady. <laughs> is this, this beggar who asked a woman for some money. See, we can edit all this on TV, so don't worry. <laughs> and so she said, she said, I'll give you $1, not because you deserve it, but it pleases me. To which a bigger said, why not make it $10 and thoroughly enjoy yourself? <laughs> the closer you get to God, one of the first signs, you become more generous. Why? Because God's the most generous person. I'll, I mean, he gave his only son not just money he gave his whole life. Giving is giving God earthly license for heavenly blessing. I think it's important to hear messages on generosity. I personally love hearing messages of generosity. I don't hear many. I wish more people would preach it, quite frankly, because I need to be stirred. I need to be inspired because I've found this. If I don't hear messages on generosity, my generosity just sort of fades away. And he said, Come on, come on, need someone to stir me. Please, somebody stir me up. So, what am I doing? I'm stirring myself up. I have to do it to myself. I'll get this DVD out and listen to it, I think. (laughs) Andy Stanley put it this way, and I think there's a lot of truth in this. He said, By nature, the concept of generosity is in direct conflict with the concept of self preservation. Isn't that true? You want to be generous. I want to be generous, but. Hey, I also want to look after my family. I want to make sure the kids get a good education. You know, I want to look after neighbors and friends. And, hey, I don't have a, you know, you, that's what you think. I don't have a hang of a lot of extra to go by. Yeah, God, I, I really want to be generous. But I've got self-preservation. I've got, I've got responsibilities. That's why, friends, it takes faith to really step into generosity and giving. It's a work of grace. God has to do a work in our hearts. And it's one reason I think the Bible mentions this a lot of times. The, Bible's actually, the Bible mentions money 2,085 times. Tell the person next to you, 2,085. That's a lot, isn't it? You might think, well, that's, that's not really a lot, is it? Let's make some comparisons. There's more in the Bible about money than heaven, hell, faith, and love combined. Put the four great pillars of Christianity together, and God speaks more about money. It's almost like in every second page, money, 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 money. You know how often it speaks about salvation? Salvation, getting to heaven, 205 times. Ten times more on money. You've got to ask the question, God what's the deal here? Why? Why? Come on, God, please help me to understand why do you say so much about money? Let me give you a few reasons. I'm giving you some already. But Luke 16, says this, if you've not been faithful in finances, who will commit to your trust true riches? Alone. Now we're talking. So God's now saying, hey, look, if you're not faithful with money, I can't trust you with spiritual riches, the anointing, the power of God, favor, blessing, open heaven relationship, all that. He said, I I just can't bless you with that if I can't trust you with finances. So friends, we have got to get this area right. I've got to get it right in our lives because it's so critical to our whole walk with God. It's critical to life itself. And most of us, really, we're not that good with money. That's why God has a lot to say about it. The second reason that I think there's a lot in the Bible about it is that they say that 40% of Christians... Don't give anything to church. 40%. When I read things like that, it's like almost, gosh, I don't believe that. The third reason is that, of course, giving releases the incredible blessing of God on our lives. Listen to this quote by Corey Temboon, this great, great woman of God. She said, the measure of a life, after all, is not its duration, but its donation." Let's get this clear. It's not how long you live. Some people just want to live forever and ever and ever. That's great. Good on you. God bless you. But more important, friends, is the donation you make to society. The donation you make to the kingdom of God. Donation means your love, your kindness, your giving, your serving, all that. Whatever you contribute. You know, when we contribute to God and society, something fantastic happens inside us. You know, our whole body is full of light, you know, and, and that's why tonight's going to be so fantastic, um, highlighting all those needs that are, that are taking place around, the, around West Auckland, and we can, we can be a part of that. It's a, it's a fantastic thing to do. A person who lives to 50 may, in fact, donate far more to society than someone who lives to 95. It's not duration. It's donation. A girl wrote, my uncle was the tightest man I've ever known. Every time he got paid, he put $20 under the mattress. He got sick, was about to die, and he said to his wife, I want you to promise me one thing. When I'm dead, that you'll take the money from under my mattress and put it in the coffin so I can take it with me. She kept her promise. He died, she got the money, deposited it in the bank, wrote out a check, and put it in his coffin. It's good, isn't it? How many of you ever seen a hearse with a coffin in it pulling a trailer? Don't happen, friends. You can't take anything with you. Seriously, listen. Think about it. Think. Really, really think about it. Think about your will. All this work, you've labored long and hard, you've accumulated, you've got this, you've got that. Friends, in a moment you're gone and you can't take one thing with you, not even the shirt on your back. So the thing to make sure is all your hard earned, that you have invested it incredibly wisely, not just for family and friends, but friends for the the greatest cause on the planet, which is the kingdom of God. Invest in it. Move your will to invest in it. Do something about it, friends. Because I think some of, the, some of our saddest moments in heaven are going to be all oh, the money we earned that we squandered and wasted and did not invest in the kingdom of God. That would have given us a phenomenal return. i just say it again. Think carefully. That's why the Bible says so much about money. Okay. The next thing is... Motivation to give is God will open the windows of heaven over our lives. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3, which, Malachi 3, which makes it really clear in unmistakable words. And at verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Imagine if God lived next door to you and you went and robbed him. I mean, that would be really dumb, eh? You would get caught because he would know who you are. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, oh, What do you mean you've robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me in this now, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. God says, prove me, test me. It's most unusual for God to say. He usually tests us, he proves us. He said, no, in this area of money, you test me. You prove me on this and I'll open heaven over your life. People say, well, what are you talking about? What's, what's this tithe business? Now, not everyone knows. You might think everyone knows. but a lot of people don't know. So let me explain it to you. Tithing is giving 10% of what we earn and all the money that comes our way, giving it back to God, you know, to the offering and to the church. Because it says give it to the storehouse and that's where you're spiritually fed. So you give it back to God. And so that's on your salary, on any bonuses you get, any financial gifts that come your way. If you get an inheritance, I got a number of inheritances each time I got it. I I'd I'd put in thousands of dollars into the offering because I pay 10% of my inheritance. You might think, why do you do all that stuff? Friends, you and I, we give so much. I'm not going to ruin it all <laughs> by holding back this little portion here. I'm going to make sure, got everything that comes my way, you're getting 10%, man. That's, that's, I'm just going to make sure of it because I don't want to sort of almost trip myself up in this whole area. The amazing thing about God is this. He trusts us with our finances. So you earn some money. He gives you the lot. He said, here it is. Here's your income. Now just give me back my portion, please. He trusts you. The Inland Revenue Department is different. They don't trust you. They say, we want our money first. We're going to take out the 10, 20, 30%, 38, 38%. And you can have the balance. I want to start a campaign. And I want to suggest, will you back me on this, that the inland revenue, that they give us all our money and then trust us to give back the 10, 20, 30, 40%. Who reckons that's a good idea? Yeah. But if we don't give God what belongs to Him, what's the chance we're going to give it to the inland revenue? Probably not that high. So, but I still wish that they would trust us, but they, they don't. They just say, no, no, give us the money first. God is different. He trusts us. Some people say, well, isn't there? I've someone said to me, tithing's Old Testament. Well, it is. Yeah, this, we just read the Old Testament. So is, do not commit adultery. Is it not? Yeah. So is, do not steal. Do not murder. Do not lie. You can say, you know, when you get before the courts or someone and say, well, Hey, Judge, I know I stole and lied and murdered, but this Old Testament. But they're also New Testament. It's all in the New Testament, as is tithing. Matthew 23, 23. Have a look at it, in case you're still in doubt, in case someone's whispered in your ear. 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe, here it is, of the mint and anise. They were tithing on everything. Come in and have neglected the weightier matters of the Lord, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others, that's the tithe, undone. Clearly, very clearly, like adultery and all the rest of it's in the New Testament. But you know, grace actually is a higher standard than law. Do you know that? Because grace, law says this, don't commit adultery. Grace says, don't even lust after a woman. Law says, don't murder. Grace says, hey, don't you even get angry with a person. Grace is a higher standard than the law. So hey, when it comes to giving to God, take your pick. Go with the law, 10%. Or go with grace, which is much more, much higher. It's just the beginning. My approach has always been this in life. This is the approach. I said, God, help me. Stir me to give as much as I can. I'm not interested in the minimum. Forget that. I said, God, stir me. How can I give more and more and more? God, do a work in my grace. I want to be like that. that that person that gave that dangerous giver in our testimonies. We read, I thought, boy, if I could get to that level, that would release me to give a whole lot more. You know, my friend, um, Tony, Anthony, comes and speaks here in the church every so often up in India. He, oh, he's generous. He just gives, his wife gives all his sorrows away. He gives all his stuff away. And it, finally, he was down there. He just had one, one outfit. That's all he'd normally have. That's all I needed. He saw so many poor people. He wanted to bless them. One day he's in Oklahoma in the United States. He gets taken into a, a shop, and the owner of the shop says, "I want to bless you. Here, take your pick. You can have. Take, uh, I want to give you some suits." He said, "You can have twenty suits. You can't outgive God." Yeah. Hannah gave her one son to the Lord. God gave her six children. Wow! Amazing, isn't it? And I think heaven really takes note of those who give out a lack, those who give the widow's might. You know, it's, 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 it's not hard to give a lot if you've got a lot. It's not easy, but it's, it's easier. But if you only got a little bit, and this is your next meal, to still give out of that, boy, that's a challenge. That's why I think the Lord talks about the widow's might. It's a really important truth that's found there in God's Word. Giving the widow's might. God takes note, and heaven takes note. It's not how much you give, it's the heart with which you give. The secretary answered the phone. There was a country voice that said, I want to talk to the head hog at the trough. The secretary said, excuse me, sir. I want to talk to the head hog at the trough. She realized he wanted to speak to the pastor. So she said to him, sir, if you want to talk to our pastor, you need to speak to him and address him correctly, call him minister, pastor, reverend, brother, something like that. The man said, well, I just wanted to donate $10,000 to the church. Secretary said, hold the line. I think the head pig just walked in. (laughs) Number three. When we give God what's his you know he's only actually asking back for what's his it's actually not ours anyway it's just as we're just giving it back to him Malachi 3:11 says God will protect us from the curse and the devourer that's cool isn't it verse 11 I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field says the Lord of hosts so God watches over us God protects us he rebukes the devourer rebukes the enemy and so we come under the canopy of God's protection in our lives. so important that we do that. Derek Prince speaks of when he was a pastor in Canada during the Great Depression. He said a lot of people came for help. And they said they helped everyone. He said anyone want help? We helped them all. But he said just as a matter of interest, I checked. I did a check on them to find out with, when they had money whether they actually had time. And he said of all those who came for help, he found that not one of them had faithfully been given to God when they had money coming in. And he concluded, this great preacher and teacher, that even in the Great Depression, God looks after those who faithfully give to him. The fourth reason that we want to excel in this grace of giving is we bless multitudes of people around the globe. Jack Hayford said this, our giving is primarily to sow toward a harvest. That's what we're primarily giving, is to advancing the kingdom of God around the world. You know, When you give, please, don't don't think that you're giving to me or even given to a church. You're giving to God. This is a plea on behalf of God. This is not going to line our pockets or anything like that. This is, this is to advance the kingdom of God. This is not a selfish message about us wanting more money. This is a message about we want to get this gospel further and, and broader and wider to every corner of the globe. We want every person to have a chance to hear about Jesus. To do that, the gospel's free, but it's not cheap. It costs money to get the, the message out there. It costs a lot of money. And if the church was flushed with more money, not just this church, all churches, friends, the kingdom of God would advance far more rapidly. And we're a church where a lot of you giving a great percentage goes to reaching a lost world. It goes into New Zealand and beyond. It goes into Cambodia. It goes into children's Bible ministries. It goes into feeding the poor, you know, into the food bank. It goes into Cambodia and Pakistan and Romania and Egypt and, you know, all across the globe running with fine. 120 nations. When you give to this church, friends, the reach of your dollar is phenomenal. It goes around the globe and circles many times. Imagine the fruit that's going to be yours when you get to heaven. That person from Remain is going to come up to you and say, oh, thank you so much. I'm here because of you. You're going to think, what? I don't even know who you are. Yes, but your church. You gave at your church. They sent someone over there. I got saved. I got blessed. I got healed. I got help. Thank you so much. But better than that, Jesus is going to thank you and bless you for what you've done to advance the cause. See, friends, our giving will go right up to another level when we get this revelation. Listen. When we realize the world's in deep trouble, how many of you know the world's in deep trouble? And you realize the only answer is Jesus. When that conviction grips your heart, you think, right, I'm going to give every possible dollar I can for the advance of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus all around the world. Practical application as I wrap it up. Number one, plan giving, Isaiah 32.8. But a generous man devises generous things. I want to suggest... Think and plan your giving. Plan it. Work it out. Work out as early in the year. Work out what, what are you going to give this year? Don't just wait for the offering bag to come and, well, oh gosh, here's $5 and just put that in. Do that. We don't want you to stop doing that, but better than that, plan it. Think it through. Don't just wait for the offering bag. A number of years ago, I made a decision to increase my giving and by a reasonable amount, because I kind of thought, I preach this stuff, I better check whether it works, so I can preach it with conviction. So I did that, and two things happened, probably within about six months. First thing is, yeah, as I expected, God fantastically blessed me financially. I mean, just, it was a, that was, he said he'd do it, and he did it. But the second thing was far more wonderful, far more fantastic. And what happened is, God met with me, and I came into a relationship with him like I had never had before. And I thought, that's the best investment of money I have ever made in my entire life. If your eye is generous, your whole being is going to be filled with light, and Jesus is the light. You're going to be filled with Jesus. And with Jesus comes the answer to every need that you might have. He fulfills every longing within your heart. You get Jesus when you get generous. So we could say, get generous and get Jesus. I want to encourage you to pay by automatic payment. That way, number one, you never miss, but secondly, it removes the pain. (laughs) You know when the offering bag comes and you put in $10, $50? In fact, the notes get stickier the bigger they are. (laughs) $100 sort of got Teflon on both sides and it sort of won't let go. But hey, automatic payment, easy. Don't even feel it, don't even know it's happening. That's why credit cards are so easy to use. If you go and shop... If you had to get $500 out of your wallet to pay for something, you'd think, ah, I can't do that, put it on the card. sweet. <laughs> Isn't that true? If you do it for the credit card to buy whatever you buy out there, a bed or a whatever you're getting, or a microwave, why not do it for God? Get rid of the pain, make it easy, and obey God's word and open heaven over your life. Or else pay by F1 or push pay or F-pass or credit card, however you want to do it. Secondly, and my final point is this. I want to encourage you, not for my sake, but for your sake and God's sake. Increase your giving. Just, just make a decision. Just say right now, right, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to increase my giving. It will change your life. Many years, I wouldn't say every year, but many years, I increase my giving. It's just something I do because I want to do it. I want to... <coughs> So so this is one year, then next year I'll just push it up a a bit there, a bit there, a bit there, a bit there. Finally, I couldn't go from here to there. I don't have that kind of faith. But I can go. And then by 10 years later, I'm giving amounts that I thought, I never dreamed I could possibly have the faith for that. But I have, because little by little, you just keep pushing it up. And what happens, friends? Heaven opens over your life. It is Unbelievable. You know, people invest their money. Some put it into a bank. Others in a property. Some of you may even put it into shares. And I think, good on you. Sweet, do it. Well done. Awesome. You know, make your money work for you. But here's one more thought. Consider this. An investment into the kingdom of God. See, those people that put it... I don't know why these people gave those big amounts, 50000 20000 But I wonder whether one of them was saying... It's time for an investment, not in the bank, but in the kingdom of God. Because I'll tell you this much, the bank of heaven pays better interest than Westpac, <laughs> ASB, <laughs> KiwiSaver, ANZ, BNZ, any of those. It does. It's, it's, the interest rates are probably a million times higher. Think about it. An investment, because that investment's going to bear so much fruit. It would be unbelievable. When you get to heaven, wow, it's going to be something else. I promise you this, you will never, ever regret it. Become a dangerous giver. I'm not one. I'd like to be, but I'm not a dangerous giver. But as you become more generous, you position your life before God to open the heavens over your life, to bless your finances and fill you with the light and the life of Jesus Christ. Amen?